0: Good morning, Calvary. It is a joy to be among you. I joke with my family. We've been living in South Asia, working among Muslims to see evangelism and church planting happen. And uh, I'm out of touch a lot with American culture. So do I wear a jacket? Do I not wear a jacket? It's kind of fun. Um, But it's a privilege to stand before you today. It's a joy. I love and appreciate the worship this morning, being able to sing and worship the Lord together having the freedom, even in this country, to be able to gather and, uh, and to live for Christ here. Uh, the Lord has had my wife and I plant our anchor in South Asia some 24 years ago um, where we've invested time with, in what um, Christians are supposed to be doing, sharing the gospel and getting to be able to walk side by side with brothers and sisters in Christ, getting the gospel out whether it's around the corner or around the world. And I love that because it's something that is much bigger than me. It doesn't depend on me. It doesn't depend on us. It depends on Jesus, our King, the Lord of the harvest. And so it's exciting to be able to worship him with you this morning. And that's what I want you to be able to to think about this morning. As we've lived, my wife and I and family in South Asia, time goes by. I was looking at the guy playing the acoustic guitar with the beard. I kind of looked like that when I first went to South Asia, some 20-plus years ago. Um, and time, as it does, changes us. Uh, but that's what I want us to think about as we look at 2 Timothy, continuing in the series, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. As you turn there, think about where you are right now in your walk with God, and in how you spend your time in whatever situation of life you're in. Some of you have your path laid out. You may not know the future, but you know um, you're walking strong with the Lord. You know where he wants you to invest your time, and your energy, uh, honoring God at your place of work, in your family, being a gospel influence, managing home life, uh, investing time in relationships, encouraging one another in Christ, even at, here at Calvary, or maybe it's in community, or going to school as a disciple of Jesus, living for him. For others, um, you may not have a clue where God wants you to invest your time in influencing people. Or for others, you may not feel so close to God this morning. For some of you, you may feel that life um, is there and you're kind of on the sidelines and it's there and you're over here just kind of waiting and relying on others, depending on others. For some, life's getting harder and maybe even more painful. But wherever we are in life, know God is very concerned how you spend your time, how you spend your lives. We all need to fight the uphill struggle of passivity. We all could be more intentional about how we live, yet today's passage is so much more than simply a call to intentional living. Today I want to share with you uh, three spiritual values Paul wrote to Timothy that God wants his people to live by. I'm going to read 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 8, and I'm going to do so like we do in South Asia. Often when we do Bible studies, there's three or four languages present in the room, and so we've got to read it once, and then another time in another language, another time in another language, just to make sure that it's the Word of God that's sinking in and is primary in our minds. And that's what I want to do for us this morning, allowing God's Word to speak. So let's read together. 2 Timothy chapter 4, starting with verse 6. and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray as we begin. Father, I thank you for having Paul, by the direction of your Holy Spirit, pen this letter to Timothy. And I thank you, God, that it's been preserved these centuries for us to read today. Because through it, Father, you want to change our lives through the gospel, through the work of Christ. So I pray, God, that you would open our eyes, open our ears, that we may see and hear, Father, what you want us to individually today. That your will may be accomplished in our hearts. For your glory, in Jesus' name I ask. Amen. So, as you know, Paul has been writing this letter to Timothy. He's in prison. Um, he's expecting an imminent death there in Rome. He's now running the last chapter of Scripture he would ever pen, this final chapter of Second Timothy. To Timothy, a young man who has accompanied Paul as a co-worker of his in the journey of making disciples and starting churches throughout um, parts of the ancient biblical world of Macedonia and Galatia and Asia, part of modern-day Greece and Turkey. Remember in the book of Acts, we read of Timothy accompanying Paul at the beginning, places like Philippi, Thessalonica, Corinth, Berea, and Ephesus. Places where, where Paul first went, there were no believers, there were no churches. And yet, when they leave, there were established gatherings of believers with established uh, churches and leaders. And on several occasions, Paul would leave Timothy behind and, and go on, leaving Timothy to continue teaching and instructing, instructing people from God's word. Uh, cities like Ephesus and Corinth, Thessalonica and Philippi. And that's exactly what you've been studying about uh, where Paul's giving instruction to Timothy about when he's staying in those places, this is what he's supposed to do. So let's review what Paul has written in 2 Timothy in the first few chapters that lead us to our, our passage today. So in chapter 1, verse 13, Paul writes, follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. So Paul is passing on not an ad hoc group of teachings, but a pattern of teaching as the church gathers to worship and then scatters to live it out in their homes and proclaim it in communities. Then in the second chapter, verses 1 and 2, Paul addresses Timothy's responsibility of passing on that pattern of teaching to other faithful disciples, which is really the responsibility of every Christ follower to do, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And then in verse 10 of that same chapter, therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with glory. So Paul lived life leaving it all in the field, enduring all sorts of hardships so that others might come to faith in Jesus and be raised to maturity in Christ, living by God's word and his spirit. That's what Paul gave his life to, not just to any cause, but for the cause of the glory of Christ in his church, the saving of people from spiritual death and separation from God in every place. The world is full of what Scripture calls the spiritually dead, not spiritually sick, but spiritually dead. Only Jesus can give life to those who are dead. He gives us life, and we've been singing about it this morning. And that's what Paul spent his life for, getting that message out to the people all over the place, for God to call out those who are his. And then in chapter 3, verses 10-11, Paul wrote, You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, and my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me in Antioch and Iconium and Lystra, which persecutions I endured. So here Paul wasn't being nostalgic about his, or even arrogant, about his endurance and scars. Rather, he's reminding Timothy, you remember all those things that you experienced with me and you saw how I responded? Remember that. He's pointing to Timothy to remember how Paul responded to life and to what God brought their way, wanting Timothy to see him, Paul, as a role model to follow. And then you can see in this passage of chapter four, verses one and two, Paul charges Timothy, last week you heard and studied this, to preach nothing but God's word to people. It's the only answer for the world's greatest problem. And the church needs to be careful that it's the word of God that we rally around and that it's the person and work of Jesus and the work that Jesus gave the church to do that we give our life for and so I love the the mission and and purpose statement here at Calvary our purpose is to glorify God by making disciples as we transform our city and our world and that's summed up in the the mission statement we are the church for God for Dothan and for the world that's what it's about Paul wants Timothy to be sure-footed in the way he's approaching how he lives his life, how he influences others. As a leader, influencing and teaching God's word, Paul's writing of his own experience, again, something Timothy would be well acquainted with, he's seen Paul in action and how he lived and how he responded. And that's what's captured in 2 Timothy 4, verse 6. Where I want to draw your attention, for I'm already being poured out. Paul writes in verse six, "For I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come." Paul's referencing his background as a Hebrew, in the Old Testament, the book of Numbers, chapter fifteen. God gives uh, Israel the the, the uh, instructions for worship, and he's he's alluding back to the the food and uh, and drink offerings that God as required Israel to do, just like a drink offering would be poured on the altar as a sacrifice for God. Paul is being, pouring out his life till there's nothing left to give. And he's doing it for God. You know, my life has been impacted by Jesus. I have experienced the grace of Jesus in my life. And it's totally transformed how I, how I see myself, how I see God, how I look at my wife and my kids, how I see the world. And I realized early on in my, the time when I took, began to take my life seriously, I was around the age of uh, 16, 17 and, uh, in high school, the Lord began to impact me. And um, I realized um, God loved me and he wanted me to live, uh, live my life for him and to love him. And I began to realize an internal desire that, wow, Jesus is worth living for giving my life for spending the hours of my life the years now looking back the years of my life for and that's exactly what paul did he's talking about his life being poured out spent for god calvary i know your pastors have that same heart desire pastor paul pastor charles dan and patrick reagan randy tommy joyce zach the other elders and leaders here They're already pouring out their lives for God, for your salvation and your maturity in Christ, so that others, too, may know the salvation Jesus brings through you. Paul used his life to help believers like Timothy and the gathered churches to be able to withstand the temptations and evils of this world to live for Christ and to spread the life-saving message of Jesus with that world. The world's greatest problem is sin, and the only solution is the gospel. I first heard the gospel from my dad. He would come home in the evenings from an engineering job and open the Bible before supper and uh, begin to read us from the scriptures. And that's when I realized that my fighting I had with my brother, uh, my brother's three years younger than I, and apparently I enjoyed at that time demonstrating that I was older to him and I took my frustrations out on him. I realized God call that sin the anger the arrogance the envy the jealousy all the things that i experienced as a as a young boy Um, god called sin and god saw me god sees us just as we are broken by our sin and in his mercy and love he sent jesus to the cross jesus came and lived a perfect life on this earth something that you and i can never do but he did so in order to go to that cross so in our place, he took our punishment so that we might have peace through God through that blood sacrifice. And Jesus didn't stay dead. As I heard you all singing in that verse, Jesus rose again from the dead according to the scriptures. And right now he's sitting at the right hand of God with all authority and dominion. And he's coming again. And I, I can't wait for that day. But that's something I can give my life to the God who created us, the God who pours out out his love and mercy and grace upon us. That's the message Paul worked hard to make known. So that's my first point. Paul spent his life for God. Well, that you and I would do the same and not be distracted by so many other things in this world. You can have a specific work. You don't have to be a pastor or work within the building here. You could be a teacher, a plumber, A dishwasher, a lawyer, a doctor, a cashier. Paul, the apostle who's writing this, worked as a tent maker uh, so that he wouldn't be a burden to those he was sharing the gospel with in the city of Corinth. But he poured out his life for God, for the gospel. And brothers and sisters here at Calvary this morning, that you and I would, would be about the gospel, no matter your age, no matter your situation in life or work situation, that you'd live each day through the lens of the gospel and see people around you, your family, through the lens of the gospel, to people all over the globe, seeing things through the lens of the gospel. Think about that for a second. Next year's political elections, presidential elections, through the lens of the gospel. The current woes with Palestine and Israel, through the lens of the gospel. Your economic issues that we all face from time to time, Your own individual struggles, seeing them through the lens of the gospel. Protect that perspective as people all around you will try to drag your attention elsewhere. Yet God's agenda is for his glory to be spread out among all the peoples of the world so that they can see how wonderful, good, and great God is. When you think of the world, I want to point your attention to this on the slide today. Think of Central America, 669 million people. That's 1,047 people groups. In Europe, 795.4 million people. That's 663 different people groups. In Central Asia, there's 385.3 million people. That's 386 people groups. In East Asia and the Pacific Rim, that's 2.3 billion people. 3,358 people groups. North Africa and the Middle East, 568.5 million people, 800 different distinct individual people groups. Sub Saharan Africa, 1 billion people, 2,573 different people groups. And in South Asia, where my wife and I have planted anchor, 1.8 billion people. That's 2,688 people groups. That's a lot of people, millions, billions of people but precious lives, all created in the image of God, and most have little to no access to the gospel. 7,225 people groups remain unreached, while another 3,178 remain not only unreached, but they are engaged, meaning no known believers, no known churches, and we don't know anyone who's running after them, with the gospel, what Paul labored to do in the biblical world. Today we stand on the foundation of scripture with the command of Jesus to proclaim him in all the world, making his disciples. The mission of Jesus was inherited by the apostles and the same is inherited by the, by the church they formed. And that's our inheritance too. My wife and I have been in South Asia, partnering with churches there to see the voice of the gospel multiplied among 11.5 million Muslims. That's 17 different people groups. In Calvary, I can remember Pastor Charles, almost 10 years ago, one December in 2013, uh, we talked about what it would look like for Calvary to get involved in partnering together. And it's been a joy to be able to have you come alongside us and get behind us in reaching out to that 11.5 million Muslims. So I thank you, Calvary, for what you're doing and giving uh, to both the Lottie Moon Christmas offering each year, to the cooperative program each year, to specifically even our team. Because it's through your prayers, through your support and giving, that our team is able to have a presence there and do the work. And I want to share a little bit of that work with you throughout this morning. This picture I want to show you next, Mr. and Mrs. D. They're good friends of ours we're partnering with. He's not a pastor. He's a teacher and a manager, Um, but he is out sharing the gospel in community. He and his wife, we've partnered with his church and several other churches within our city, and uh, we have two tutoring centers for low-income families in the Muslim sections of town. And the picture of the family that you see in between those happy faces are a Muslim family by the last name Sheikh. Sheikh, some of you may remember, Ten years ago or so, you guys uh, had decided to be praying for the specific people, this specific Muslim people group, the Sheikh Muslims. This is one Sheikh Muslim family who over the last six months have been walked through Mr. and Mrs. D, have been walking through sharing Bible stories with them from Genesis to the return of Christ. And they eagerly are opening their home in the Muslim section of town uh, to do Bible study with them. And just this month, they started the Uh, studying the Gospel of Luke. This month also, this Muslim family uh, pulled their kids out of the local madrasa where they're learning Arabic in order to be able to recite the Quran. as a good Muslim. The parents pulled their kids from the madrasa and saying, you don't need to spend time learning that. You need to spend time studying the Gospel of Luke with Mr. and Mrs. D. It's like, wow. So your prayers are being answered, Calvary. Sheikh Muslims are hearing the gospel. Um, these, this Muslim family hasn't yet come to Christ yet, but it's exciting to see God at work. Just uh, this month, Mr. D sent me this Muslim family's names, and I want to pause and pray for them with you this morning. That this family, Muhammad and Sultana, his wife, with six kids, three sons, and three daughters, that they would place their faith in Christ. So let's pause right now and pray for this family. God, I praise you and thank you for what you're doing all across this world. You're taking the gospel from your children and making it known to people who haven't heard. We thank you so much much for Muhammad and Sultana Sheikh. We pray that you would continue to keep their eyes and ears open, that they might hear the gospel and be saved. We thank you, God, for their kids, Samir, Numan, and Shahid, and their daughters, daughters, Aisha, Hina and Muskan, we pray, God, that you would pour out your spirit upon them, open their eyes to the goodness of, of you and the glories in the gospel, that they might see their need of you their own, uh, the, with an awareness of their own sinfulness and that they might repent, turning their eyes away from their traditions and of faith and of man and putting their hope fully resting in the sacrifice of Christ. God, would you bring them to salvation this year? In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Continue praying for the Sheikh Muslims. God is at work. The Sheikh are among 17 different Muslim people groups that our um, team seeks to engage with the the South Asian church. Yet all again are dead in their sins. Scripture says multiple times in Ephesians 2.1, Colossians 2.13, in John chapter 5, verse 25, even from the words of Jesus, that people on the face of this planet who don't yet know Christ are dead. Without the promise of, gra- of the grace of God in Jesus. Yet it's about people like Mr. and Mrs. D who are multiplying the voice of the gospel. And that's what it's about. It's a similar context among which Timothy and Paul spent their lives for God. Getting the gospel to people in places where there were no believers and were no churches and seeing God saving people, leading them to maturity in Christ as his disciples. So point number uh, one of 2 Timothy 4, verse 6, Paul lived for God. My prayer for you is this, if you haven't already, that you would take up that same life purpose. God wants to use you right where you're at to multiply the voice of the gospel. And for some of you, maybe even to plant your anchor overseas among some of the unreached and unengaged peoples. As I heard a pastor say last month, some people send missionaries and some go as missionaries, but you can't do neither. Ask God what his desire is for you and your role in multiplying the voice of the gospel as you live for God. Secondly, Paul's life has been about finishing the good fight, verse 7. 2 Timothy, verse 7. I have fought the good fight. I had finished the race. I have kept the faith it's about finishing at the writing of 2nd timothy again paul knew his life was about over he's in prison his execution is pending and now he's using three metaphors to describe the aim of his life and how he lived he fought the good fight I'm talking about boxing or a military metaphor he's not giving up he's continued at it it speaks of endurance he's finished the race He didn't disqualify himself, but he kept running. He didn't leave the race for some other pursuit. However tempting, however noble, however pleasurable, he didn't leave it. He finished the race. It speaks of faithfulness. And then he kept the faith. He persevered in his trust, his love and obedience and worship of Jesus. It's about finishing. To be clear, Paul knew that um, he had set the stage in chapter 1 of Second Timothy that it's through Jesus alone that he received salvation, it's through Jesus alone that he is able to persevere. He writes in Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 19, excuse me, verse 9, it's God who saves, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. Verse 12, but I am not ashamed for I know whom I have believed and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Paul knew that it wasn't about his skill, his confidence, his ability, his willpower, his just trying to pull up life by his bootstraps and do it, getting on with it. Paul knew it was about all about Jesus from start to finish. And I want you to, to recognize and remember this morning that we can trust God, that he will do the supernatural work in us to persevere. Notice in 2 Timothy 4, 7, it's in the past tense. Paul knew his, his death was near, so he wrote, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. He's describing a completed action with continuing results. He can write that because that's how he lived his life. Alongside Timothy. Timothy saw him do that. And Paul alludes to that in Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 and 14, where he writes about similar types of things, um, where he writes about how he's straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on towards the goal for the prize in Christ Jesus. There he was writing in the present tense. But here at the end of his life, he's looking back and letting Timothy know, I know the end's near. And this is how I've how I've lived. You've seen it. And this is how we need to be doing it by the supernatural work of Christ. This is what God wants of you and me. Lives poured out with a continuous action of persevering by his power, by his supernatural grace at work in us, in the faith and work God has given Paul wrote in Ephesians 2.10, For we are as his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared in advance that we should walk in them. So note, this is not simply a call to persevere, to be more intentional in life in general. Intentionality is great, I need to be intentional every day, but I believe that intentional living in itself cannot make us holy. It cannot accomplish what God desires for us, to have a heart that is fully devoted to him, to be set apart in our life for God. It's not what cleanses my idolatrous heart. The only thing that can do that is God's powerful word through the faith in Christ Jesus. So, intentionally pursuing Christ will bring about the holy life God desires because God is at work through the blood of Christ doing so. Craving God's glory, God's goodness, more than the idols around us, is the pursuit that Paul is writing here in verse 7. Pursuing Christ and watching him give us supernatural power to obey him, to worship him, to love him. That is what the good fight is. Intentional endurance, faithfulness, and perseverance, poised for what God has called Paul to, for what God has called Timothy to, and for what God has called you to to know Christ, proclaiming Jesus, and leading people to, people to maturity in Christ all over the world. Some of you may feel that you can't take part or shouldn't take part in proclaiming Jesus because somehow you feel like you kind of mess things up and you're not maybe worthy or don't feel that in your own lives. But as we were studying and, uh, with one of your elders, Brother Tim, In the Romans class this morning, we're saved by God's grace, repenting and believing in Christ. And every day we wake up as a Christian and we continue on by repenting and continuing on in God's grace. It has nothing to do with our ability and skill. It has everything to do with God's grace at work in us. And it only takes turning to Christ away from our sin and following him and doing so day in, day out. Loving and worshiping him day in, day out. Not because we have it within us, but because of Christ in us, in his spirit and word, directing our paths. That's what Paul is talking to Timothy about. So all that to say in the second point, don't let yourself yourselves be misled by contrary reasonably sounding arguments so prevalent in our world today. Stay the course. Don't let yourselves drift away from God's word or this community of believers here at Calvary, who if you can, will, if you let them, will have each other's backs, praying for one another, supporting one another, caring for one another, supporting one another in this race, in this fight, to know Christ and to make him known. It's not a matter of deconstructing our faith to be more authentic. Authentic living is a matter of leaning in to Jesus and His Word, persistently seeking Him, Christ, in His Word and by His Spirit, and watching Him do supernatural things in your own heart and life, and through your voice and through your actions to those around you. Otherwise, we run the risk of drifting away, being drawn away by the idols of our own hearts. Just like in ancient Israel who tried to be like the nations surrounding them. The biggest problem in the world is lostness. The gospel of Jesus is the only answer. And the biblical example for getting the gospel to the lost is our physical presence in that world, living for Christ, persevering. Church members here at Calvary, we've got Jesus. He's the answer to our problems and to the world's problems. Let's persevere in Christ. By his grace, experiencing his word and Spirit's power, changing us and empowering us to take the gospel to those who have not yet heard. So my, point, my first point was Paul spent his life for God in verse 6. Secondly, Paul, Paul's life was about finishing the good fight, leaning into Christ and his word. Jesus hasn't returned, so the fight still rages on. The race is still on, and Paul has in mind that victorious end at the return of Christ. In verse 8, 2 Timothy 4.8. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to have loved, the, to all those who have loved his appearing. He's pointing Timothy to um, to the fact that, that Paul himself and as Paul's pattern was, teaching uh, new believers that Christ is going to return, and that was his focal point. That brought my mind back to 1 Thessalonians. Um, Paul went to Thessalonica and proclaimed the gospel, and he was only there a couple of weeks. Out of all the things God did during Paul's time in that city among them, listen to the pattern of teaching Paul emphasizes as he recollects with them in 1 Thessalonians chapter, 9, chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. He's reminding them how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. Paul had, had only been in Thessalica, Thessalonica, like I said, for a few short weeks, and he left Timothy there uh, to continue teaching and passing on to the new believers, uh, the Word of God. But he taught them, and one of the main things he left with them, new believers, just a few weeks, was Jesus is coming back, he's gonna return. And, and how should we be poising our lives for that? And so that was the focal point for Paul. The words he gave to new believers was the gospel, absolutely, and teaching from the Word of God, absolutely, But one of the main things and the pattern that Paul left these new believers was Jesus' coming back. Having an eagerness and recognizing, I love my daughter in her high school years was doing art and it dealt with the perspective. All those things to a particular point on the page, everything pointing to that end. That's exactly what Paul is describing here. The focal point of our lives is that return of Christ. So, how are we clinging to that focal point? waiting for Jesus to return, to deliver us from the wrath to come. We'll be victorious in the good fight, doing the work of God that he has set for us to do by his power and work within us as we eagerly await his return. It's another story I want to share with you about Brother D in South Asia. The picture you will eventually see. There we go, happy faces. Uh, His wife is due with child imminently. Either uh, right now or sometime over the next few days. So, would you please be praying for Mrs. D uh, for a healthy birth uh, there in South Asia? But Mr. D comes from a Hindu background. Um, He's been saved about seven or so years, and he's the only believer in his family. Last year, his father died. And so, he left our city and went back to the place uh, where his relatives are for the funeral. And um, sitting there at his sister's house, his uncles, his father's brothers, were trying to get him to become involved in the funeral rites and traditions of their faith. And he said, no, I, I won't do that. Um, and his, his uncles tried to force him. They came over him, slapped him, and really beat him up. And he still refused. And he called me and messaged me, and we began praying together about it for that, during that season, he really felt bad. Uh, he uh, bad because of the way he was being treated obviously he knew that family didn't like it and he doesn't like getting beat up for the gospel but he knew that he had to stand his ground his faith was in Christ not in his old ways anymore and so um, he clung to Christ during that time later that night uh, gathered at his sister's house again over the evening meal, he opened his mouth and began sharing his testimony and the gospel with his family. And as he's relating to this story to me, he goes like this. He, he tells me his sister just looked at him and said, what are you doing? <laughs> uh, they beat you up this morning. What do you think? What do you think is going to be different now? And he looked at her and said, I'm already dead. My, my life belongs to Jesus now. And he continued on proclaiming the gospel. It's this kind of faith and life that Paul is entrusting to Timothy in this letter. I praise God for what God is doing in South Asia with your brothers and sisters in Christ, like Mr. and Mrs. D, being able to boldly proclaim the gospel among people that seemingly don't have an interest and don't want it. They don't know their need of the gospel, yet through them, the gospel's going forward. Have you considered what or who it is God is wanting you to spend your life on, to grow old investing in? No matter the stage of your life, young or old, employed or not, where has God led you to spend your life for his glory? One more slide. Some of you may have seen this before, the global status of evangelical Christianity. What I want you to think is each of those icons are represented a people group, and it's mapping where are Bible-believing Christians who have trusted in the sacrifice of Christ alone for forgiveness of sin and are living by the authority of God's word. The green represents people groups who have re- are reached, who have received the gospel, and there are many believers, many churches, and the gospel is, is very close, easy access. The red icons represent unreached and unengaged people groups. Most of them, no-known believers. All of the red, no-known churches. That's a lot of red. (laughs) We, the church, have our work cut out for us in our generation. Maybe God is calling you today to pursue the lost around you right here, or to pursue what it would look like overseas to do the same thing among the unreached and unengaged people groups. So let me ask, where do you picture yourself a year from now? Five years from now, 10 years from now, 20. Too often we spend our lives as consumers letting someone else do the heavy lifting and not leading out ourselves. Use your voice, your life for God's purposes. Maybe God wants you to remain exactly where you are, investing in the people right around you. For others, I urge you to have a look at the big picture of what God is doing and what your place in it might be. I ask you to consider who is it the Lord is asking you to run after, your family, colleagues at work, classmates at school, other communities here, or maybe some of the unengaged, unreached people groups. You know, you can't control how people respond to the gospel, but you can take steps to encourage the voice they hear from us is Christ, not talking heads about politics or economics or the latest from contemporary media, but Christ. May Christ be ever upon your lips and your actions. So my prayer for you is that if you haven't already, that you'd experience the goodness of God and the salvation that God brings, and that God would use your lips, your voice, to proclaim Jesus to those all around you, and for God to use his power and his word in and through you to change people's hearts towards Jesus. That we'd all, like Paul, telling Timothy, living for God, run the race, fight the good fight, keep the faith, living intentionally, pursuing Jesus. And as Paul wrote in Colossians 1, proclaiming Jesus, warning everyone and teaching every, everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ, toiling and struggling with all God's energy that God powerfully works within me. So it's not my place to tell you what to do with your life. For you who have already invested in this pursuit of living for God, keep on doing it. Keep on doing what God is calling you to do, embracing obedience to Jesus, whatever that requires of you, whatever that looks like. Just know as a Christ follower, you are never not on mission. You can send missionaries. You can go as a missionary, but you can't do neither. Let me close us in prayer. Heavenly Father, I praise you and thank you for your word. I thank you for your work in our hearts. You know individually what we need, where, where our hurts are, what our struggles are. And yet you and your goodness and grace see us that way and continue to pour out your love and your mercy towards us. We thank you for that. We need it. And Father, we need your supernatural work accomplished in our lives. So I pray that you would give give everyone here this morning grace to look to Jesus and looking to the gospel. Continue for, for life, for godliness. And God, I thank you for the Calvary Church family. For us who have believed in your son, we ask that you'd give us eyes to see and ears to hear, remaining steadfast with endurance with our eyes on Christ Jesus, our living hope. Give us a greater love and an eager desire for Jesus and your word more than the pull of the world in our hearts. We confess our lives are yours. We need your mercy and grace to pour our lives out for you and to continue fighting the good fight so that you may have your complete way in and through us, that the world may know how good and great you are and be saved. I pray for this community, that the people that live in and around here that you'd empower your sons and your daughters who live here to be light in the darkness, to speak of Jesus and his work of the cross so that they too can experience your mercy, love, and grace as we have. And I pray you would send them all across this globe to all peoples in our generation so that all peoples in our generation might hear the good news of Jesus Christ and be saved. In Jesus' precious name I pray, amen.